Black Men Cry Too is an invitation for men of color to feel safe to share their truth and unpack their hurt. My name is Catherine, AKA Retro Barbie, hashtag bright hair, dark liquor. And I created this space as an invitation for black men to feel empowered to know it's okay that they can cry too. Thank you, Denzel, for sitting down and chatting with me today. Thank you for having me. Let's take a good shot to start it off. More life. So to kick it off and get it started, tell me about where you grew up. What neighborhood are you from? I grew up in the Union Township system of Union, New Jersey, which was uh, would be considered suburbia. But I lived in Irvington, New Jersey, which would be considered the hood slash ghetto per se. So I got a best of both worlds. Went to school, got the whole shebang of a diverse atmosphere where you got a melting pot of every race. Like the majority at our school was Italian, Filipino, and Haitian. Wow. Which is a weird that ass mix. Also sounds like my high school. And then I go home into Irvington, which is where my mom works as a teacher. Majority of the population of the school is black and Hispanic. How is it split? Like what ages were you in what neighborhoods? Um, I would say between the ages of six to 11, I was in living in Union. And then when I got to fifth grade, I moved to Irvington. And then I moved back to Union and then back to Irvington. When did you move back to Union from Irvington? I moved back to Union when I was 15. Okay. And then 17 back to Irvington. And then been living in Irvington ever since. So more so your adolescent of you coming into like those teen years was in Irvington? Living, but I would say Union for the most part is where I did my de uh, developing. And how would you explain your childhood? I know people like to embellish and say that they always think a camera is on them and their life is like a movie. But I would say like it was like like a high school movie. Like you wouldn't expect like the type of groups of people that you grow up with. We all clashed into one like conglomerate and just became a group, like a community of friends. And was there any childhood traumas that you can identify looking back now that you went through? It was one time where um, during the Christmas season, they usually have a party at a, um, a local skating rink. I believe I was in ninth grade. Uh, my parents dropped me off after we had a like, whole shebang, opened up the gifts and everything like that. Everyone was gone. Met up with my friends. You know, as soon as your parents uh, pull off, they ask you, are you good? Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. As soon as they pull off, chaos happens. It was about three fights, uh, snowball fights, all these other things like that. So we couldn't get into the party, decided to just walk home because we didn't have cell phones at the time. We can't call our parents. Uh, there happened to be um, a shooting after we had left, but we heard it from way far away because we already left. Get home, we found out that it was uh, somebody that we knew. A close friend of you guys? Not close friend, but you, somebody that you see in the hallway like passing by and it was just like he was just a bystander in an altercation from all the fights that had happened before. So I guess that was my real time, my first time of seeing uh, something that you see on the news that happens that it just happens to you in front of you. You're like, oh shit, like, you could really just get shot as a bystander by something that had nothing to do. You were just at the wrong place, wrong time. How did you deal with that 
experience? How did you deal with your emotions? How did you grieve? I would say most of it is suppression. I mean, not saying I didn't really know the person or anything like that. So, I mean, it should affect me that a life was lost in a senseless act. I feel like I just talked about it amongst my friends and that was just about it. And then life just moved on. When you had mentioned suppression, do you realize now being more self-aware at the fact that you might have suppressed more than you realized back then with that experience? As, as the coming, uh, coming of age, I've realized that I've suppressed a lot of stuff in my life to where it's like, um, that could cause an implosion in yourself, bunch of feelings, emotion that's raging and you don't know how, how to have an outlet. So um, I've learned to, I've come to learn that it's bad. I've been trying to find outlets such as therapy. This is right here is therapy. Cause I mean, we just met each other today and look at me just- Opening up. Opening up. Are you comfortable in sharing a lot of the things that you realize that you have been suppressing? Yeah. Uh, I would say me growing up, I wouldn't, uh, I've never had the typical father figure okay. in my life. Um, Do you mind if you explain what the typical father figure is? Well, to everyone, what a typical father figure would be is um, somebody that you look up to, you idolize, that you want to be when you grow up. Somebody that you feel as a protector, a provider, uh, teach you the ins and outs of life, uh, teach you how to go about life from rights and wrongs. And I feel like a majority of that I had to learn basically by trials and tribulations or learn from my friends and their parent fi parental figures. And like with my situation, I had my own father and I had a stepfather. I never had a real relationship with either one of them. Um, for a while, for a while, my older siblings thought that I was a foster child because we have different, we have different parents. They thought that I was a foster child and we didn't learn until I was about Six, six years old that we were siblings. So I feel as though when I found out that at a young age, I already had a resentment towards my father and I never had a real connection with him growing up and growing, um, going forward. He's been trying more now because we're older, but uh, the person in me doesn't even know, if, I mean, suppressing my feelings, doesn't even know if I could have a conversation to say like, oh, you did this and the third to make me feel this type of way. And then when it comes to my stepfather, I don't think, I don't know how other people deal with step parents, but I always see there's like this, this notion that the step parent never gets along with the stepchild. Mm. And it was that, it was like, I was always at war with him from me being eight years old to about 23. Like right now we're cool. But it was always like... That's a long period. That's a long period of time having somebody that I'm thinking in my head like, yo, you're attacking me for what? I'm not a bad kid. I'm not doing shit. If you got a problem, say something to me. You don't got to say it to my mother because if you say it to my mother, what's going to happen? She's going to take it out on me. I felt like I never really had that, that figure. And then back to what you were talking about with trauma, um, a figure that I kind of resembled as my as a father figure that I idolized was one of my uncles was my mother's brother he had passed away when I was 19 so then going forward it's like damn I still got I'm an I'm a teenager still but I'm going into my adult phase I need that father figure to help me into my adult phase what others did you look at for I guess guidance or an example um my older brother Okay. I looked at I look at him a lot. He just had his first kid, and um, which is my nephew. He's been um, I've been looking at how he's been being the dad that our dad wasn't. 
how he's um, trying to show him right from wrong and he's holding himself accountable to be there in his life and to teach him right from wrong. I like how you said your brother is being the father that um, you guys didn't have. Being that you guys didn't have that relationship with your father and you weren't able to look at your father, how does that affect relationships, romantic relationships in your life? With the romantic relationships in my life, I feel like it affects it heavily. Um, I feel like when it comes to relationships, I fear commitment. Because I don't know when that other person is just going to up and right walk out the door. Because I've had it in relationships happen where people were, will just tell you like over, to, over a text that it's over. Like instead of just having the face-to-face -face -face conversation and having communication and then going forward to see like what could be. So I guess I have a fear that something like that will always happen. Do you know your love languages? Words of affirmation and physical touch. How do you express your love language to your partner? And how do you learn your partner's love language? Well, my partner made me take a quiz, so that's how I learned mine. <laughs> and she showed me hers after that. But as far, as far as expressing it, um, like I like words of affirmation. I always try to do like, like even with the little things like, good job, you did this. Like just, just words of encouragement can go a long way. Like, oh, like you did a great job on that can go a long way. Like if we, if after we finished this whole thing and then you, you guys edited and chopped it all down, they said, hey cat, you did an excellent job with it, with conducting your interview and everything like that. How are you going to feel after that? I feel like I'm that person. Exactly. <laughs> you like, you know what? We booked tomorrow too. Fuck that. Facts. But I feel like words of affirmation are definitely strong with me. So with like feeling a sense of relief with like therapy and finding outlet, you do work in corporate America, which is a nine to five. And mm -hmm. then you also have your own creative outlet. Mm -hmm. Speak about that balance because that can be a lot on some people. Uh, it's, it's extremely tiring, I would say. Working nine to five, sitting there in front of a screen, trying to make sure you meet deadlines, update shit, shit gotta get done. If you come, if I complain and, if I complain, I'm just gonna procrastinate and then somebody's gonna be where I should be. That's a good um, motivational push for yourself. What do you do in terms of self-care to make sure you're not burning out and making sure that today you're tired? What are you going to do tomorrow? Um, tomorrow's Sunday, so you know that's the Lord's Day. I'm going to go to church tomorrow, and then um, afterwards I'm going to relax around the house, clean everything. I might go hiking. I just like to go hiking to like make myself decompress. Going to the spa sometimes. Like I try to do that maybe once a month to make sure I like loosen up my joints and everything like that. Um, sports, of course working out it's a lot of physical it's like physical activity do you ever deal with stereotyping and how do you sort of sit comfortable in yourself like this is who i am this is what i like to do i don't care what you guys perceive well i think i became comfortable with myself with like not caring what others think was probably when i was like maybe like 19 20 like in college and I used to, um, like on Sundays, me and my friends always used to hike. When it gets warm out, we always hike on Sundays. That's our motto. And I feel like, like we used to post all the time, like on Instagram, like we're hiking, da da da, show the, the rivers and the whole pathways and everything like that. And people were like, what the fuck y'all doing there? Da -da -da, this and like, y'all shouldn't even be in the woods. That's for white people and all this other stuff like that. 
And granted, like, stereotype, I guess, would be true because when we're walking on the pass, we're literally the only black people in the woods. But who gives a fuck? If I like to do it, I'm going to do it. I like to do it. I like hiking. I like nature. I like breathing fresh air. I like my phone not being on service just because there's no service in the woods. It's refreshing and it's relaxing. Not a lot of African-Americans go to spas or try to like treat themselves or pamper themselves and um they just don't feel comfortable in their masculinity to do certain things well i have been seeing like lately a lot of men getting their like their nails done their feet done and everything like that granted like i will one day i've never gotten it done but i've always seen people like they go and get their shits painted on and everything like that get their feet done before they go to vacation so people are opening up to like like beating the standards of like what people feel is like toxic masculinity per se what's stereotyping toxic masculinity and you being a black male in corporate america do you ever feel pressures or like you're being stereotyped or you have to overcome adversity within corporate America? I believe, uh, for instance, like the company that I'm at right now, I would say around our age, there's three black guys. Wow, and how big? Um, I'd say there's about, I'd say there's about 400 employees. Three black guys, that's around our age, and then there's like three older black guys, and then as far as black women all together, they're older, there's about four. Do you ever feel that pressure walking into work like I'm only one of 12 here? Oh yeah, of course, every day, but I get my shit done. So they can't talk to me about nothing. Thank you so much, Denzel, for sitting down and chatting with me today. Um, I'm very excited to see your journey and you finding that new outlet. To close out, give us what you want your legacy to be and a message that you'd share with the youth. I've been thinking about that for a while of what do you want to leave your mark on the world? How will people remember you? Will you just be the memory of the people of the now? Or will you be for the people that's going to be in the future? So I haven't found out what my legacy will be yet. Hopefully it'll come soon. What is the message that you'd leave the youth? Stay persistent and leave your mark on the world. That's a solid bar. And our final closeout question, it's a fun question. Name three songs that you listen to to get you into a mood or out of a mood. So when you're angry, you're happy, you're sad. Three songs that come to mind. What's that Sir song that be like, if I ain't in the mood, then I ain't in my bag. I know the song, but if I acted like I knew the name of the song, I'm gonna embarrass myself. Do anything for the cash. Well, that's one. All right, so we'll come back to the name title. Feel No Ways by Drake. It's a great song. And, um... Earthquake by Tyler. You know, I was never a Tyler fan, but that song does get me. Solid. Is it Mood by Sir? Yes. Mood by Sir. Shout out to the producers holding down. Sir and Zakari, I think. So, well, as always, you can follow us on YouTube. Please subscribe as well as Instagram. Hashtag BlackmenCry2, that's T-O-O, and join the conversation. Thanks for watching. Hey guys, during the winter, especially with the second lockdown coming, you may be spending more time inside with your balls. 
might as well make them beautiful. Head over to manscaped.com and use code BLACKMANCRY2 T-O-O to get 20% off plus free shipping. Your balls will thank you. <laughs> 